Hello and welcome to Hometown Glory, your Spurs and Culture podcast. This is season three, episode seven. I'm Charlie and I'm joined tonight by Billy and Rosa. Well, we are on the home straight, my people. The international break is nearly done. We've had injury scares to our captain and one of our vice captains. We've had the strange sensation of not needing to defend every touch of a football Harry Kane has for England. We've had to negotiate the emotional minefield of our former hero talking about how wonderful it is at a club that cares about winning every 15 minutes. We've had Madders and his roast dinners. We've had man of the match displays for Pierre and Decky. We've had Jan scoring on his 150th cap for Belgium. We've had Emerson Royale. Well, I'm going to leave Emerson Royale for Billy. And all told, really, it's just been another weird one for Tottenham Hotspur. We are going to choose a winner and loser each from the international break. We are also, on this episode, going to be looking forward to our hopefully triumphant return to N17 this weekend. We'll be worshipping at the font of Anne for a little bit. We'll be chatting about how, on a scale of one to relegation, we should be concerned about our beloved Spurs women. And of course, we'll be exchanging culture picks. Right, Billy, Rosa, hello, my friends. I'm thrilled to be back after a couple of weeks of my own international break, international slash Bogner Regis. Um, I hope you've been well. Um, let's talk about these godforsaken internationals. Um, I'd like a winner and a loser from each of you, please. Let's start happy. Let's start winners. And Rosa, Um we're nearly there. We've nearly got through. Uh, We're so as we, close. As we speak, um, the England-Scotland game is kind of getting towards the end. Billy, any what's the score in that one? 2-1. Uh, I haven't actually seen, but Scotland must have just scored. Okay. It, but 2-1. Um, yeah, is Madison on? Do we know? Do you know if Madison is... I'm not actually watching it, but I know that he bought Maguire on at half-time, which is enough said, really. That's oh, can I just tell you? Point. Can I just tell you who the... So, England went 2-0 up. And Scotland have not scored. It's an own goal from Harry Maguire. Oh, <laughs> I can't even write this shit. Oh. I thought Watch Southgate more on that. More on that a bit later on. <laughs> I thought Southgate couldn't out Southgate himself tonight by starting Calvin Phillips and Kieran Trippier at left back. But apparently, Phillips has that. the yellow card. Okay, that's a... <laughs> maybe we should just sort of live watch. <laughs> it's amazing. This is the most Southgate thing. I could tell you that Madison is not on, so everybody breathe for now. And how long left? Like 15 minutes. So mm. yeah, it's on behind it's... me, but I'm, I can't even be bothered to turn around and watch it. Yeah. This is terrific. This is terrific listening for people listening after <laughs> this game is finished. Um... <laughs> okay, Rosa, your winner um, beyond poor Harry Maguire. Who is your winner from the international group? My winner is us. Because the Madison situation aside, which is now a sort of new and frightening thing, like I'm so relaxed. There's a friendly tonight and Harry Kane is obviously playing all 90 plus minutes of it. And mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about it. Don't have to worry about it. Like it's Almost been... the opposite, right? I mean, I know, Rosa, you, you are, I kind of think you're in a camp of maybe about three it's remaining me. people. It's, no, well, maybe the camp it's just is me, you. yeah who still are watching England games and sort of pining for Kane to do something brilliant every time he touches the ball. But I think for most of us, I mean, I found myself watching 10 minutes earlier and um, like hoping that 
I think Rashford had the ball and he was about to sort of pull it back on the byline. I was like, please don't pull it back for Kane to <gasps> put it, to you put it in. And I was like... Rashford to score over Harry Kane. This is I think disgrace. I do now, yeah. Yeah. Really, I am, I, am I like a heartless Harridan for thinking that? No, when he when he, yeah when he shinned that chance, I did. I, I have to say, I did feel quite happy about it. I have to say, I really did. And uh, I'm not well. I know it's like classic copium, but he, he looks really slow tonight. Like he looks really really <laughs> slow, and I'm uh, enjoying that. We'll we'll say a bit more about Kane perhaps a bit later, considering he's been uh, running his mouth relentlessly. But um, Rosa, go on. Sorry, back to you, back to us as our collective winner. Exactly. Let's embrace it. Whatever your feelings about Harry Kane and obviously mine are different from yours and that's just that's been the sort of story of the summer really um and beyond that's fine I'm used to it it's just nice isn't it man it's just relaxing like I just have to worry about it I just think like it doesn't matter do you I'm mean, so, you know do you mean sort of England or do you mean like all of our players because I've not found it relaxing I think I found it the opposite because that Romero kind of 12 hours where it's like the the sun hour it's like an hour of yeah uh, chaos. <laughs> the, win- the windows are getting smaller with these panics <laughs> no because i've got a lot of because you know the cane thing was always such a big deal like it was it was him and it was so important and knowing that he would play all of those minutes i really feel like with the other players and maybe it's because like so far we've managed to kind of get through it but i also really like I've got so much trust in Ange now. I feel like if we do get injuries, it's not, it's actually not going to be at the end of the world. I don't think, I think we might, you know, maybe we'll not be in kind of the amazing form that we could be if we had the, like the 11 that he wanted, but I really, really believe that he will find solutions and make it all work. So I actually do feel quite relaxed about it. And maybe it's just part of that thing of, like the Kane situation has been so angsty for so long. I'm just, I don't want any more mm. angst, you know? No more drama, as yeah. Mary J might say. She um, would, and I would agree with her. Okay, <laughs> this is a good start. I like this sort of Zen Rosa. Um, you'll note we haven't sort of mentioned Giovanni de Celso or Davinson Sanchez or anyone that might get Rosa's uh It's all in my notes. Pumping. It's all in my notes. <laughs> okay, that's, that's, that's a coming. Um, Billy... Your winner, please. Well, there'd be no surprise who my winner might be for anyone who knows me or anyone who knows the shit that I draw on about all the time. I've obviously gone for Emerson Royal. Um, and it says a lot about my life. That I've actually written down some some words on this because I think it does deserve the weight of considered thought rather than speaking freely. <clears throat> so on my journey home today, I actually wrote this all about this incredible rap video that was released. Um, I say rap video is more of a teaser of rap video. We've still got that to come. So... This is my ode to Emerson Royale. And then if you haven't seen it, this is like a play-by-play of it. Sadly, it doesn't actually exist on the internet anymore because it was only part of his Instagram story. But um, he, I'm, I'm guessing the video is going to come soon, right? It must do. So now you might consider it strange that somebody who didn't even get a call-up can be considered a winner, but Emerson Royale does not stick to conventional parameters. So during the international break, Emerson released a teaser for a rap video starring him and his pregnant fiance. It would be almost impossible task to accurately convey the sheer magnitude of this visual masterpiece in words, but I'm going to give it a go anyway. So please indulge me for the next 10 to 11 minutes. <clears throat> so <laughs> here is a scene by scene breakdown of the teaser on the video. So rest assured, once the video drops, we'll be doing an episode dedicated entirely to it. That will probably be about three hours long and it might just be me on my own, but we're definitely going to hit up. So don't worry about that. So picture the scene. We open in a bougie mansion. There are staircases and chandeliers, and the owner of said mansion remains a mystery, with the only two clues being a gigantic portrait of Emerson Royal 
which covers an entire wall upstairs and a framed Brazil shirt at the bottom of the stairs. Not sure who lives there. In true Shakespearean fashion, our protagonist and right back serenades his loved one from the top of the stairs, Romeo and Juliet style. We then cut to a party and an iMovie style split screen depicts Emerson and his entourage turning up at a house party. One of the sections shows Emerson and his friends doing a synchronized dance, but sadly, the all too fleeting image leaves more questions than it does answers. Speaking of questions, the climax of this scene poses a number of tantalizing mysteries for the viewers. At the party, Emerson is approached by his fiance with a gift, a special gift. Whilst holding a microphone, Emerson opens the box to reveal a pregnancy test. Some common questions may include what was happening at the party for Emerson to be holding a microphone? Was he doing a speech, a song? Is someone blocking someone in in the parking lot? Who knows at this point? Is a stick drenched in your own piss an appropriate gift to be wielding in public? And is it etiquette to conduct what is usually a private act surrounded by a party entourage, most of whom appear to be midway through an elaborate dance routine? <laughs> Even these many questions unanswered, we switch to an overhead drone shot of a picnic and a beautiful lake surrounded by palm trees. It is not clear which part of Tottenham this was filmed in. The food at the picnic seems to entirely consist of ornamental fruit, of which there are not one, but two baskets. For some reason, Emerson and his fiance are picnicking miles apart from each other, possibly a callback to the lockdown rules of yesteryear. While this, his fiance lies among neatly organized baby clothes, did they mention that she's pregnant, by the way? Emerson is delivering a passionate rap verse, leaned against a faraway tree, wearing a t-shirt with his own name on it. Considering this is a mere teaser for the rest of the video, I'm sure you will agree that the cinematic masterpiece of the summer awaits us. And forget Barbie, he is just enough. Well, that was episode seven of season three of Hometown Glory. We can't top that. So, Billy, could you see us home? <laughs> yeah, that is how sad my life is that I actually sat down and wrote that on my way home from work. Uh, au contraire, my friend. Um, if we weren't up for several podcasting awards uh, before, then that at least um, seals several nominations. Um, Just that's, the best thing, that's the best thing that's ever happened on this pod. <laughs> this is a teaser. A teaser for the, this is only the teaser. The real episode well, breakdown is going to be special. Um, did he reveal the drop date for the actual song? No, this is not, he, literally just po- he didn't even mention it. He just posted it on his story. That's all we got. Who knows? He might, might not even have a release. It might just you'd, always be gone lost in the moment. You'd like to think that Richie might pay, uh, might make a little cameo as well um, in well, the actual video. Possibly um, even Luke. You know the, weird, the weird thing about it is it's actually pretty decent as well. Like, he's actually mm. actually like really well produced. He can actually sing. She can sing. Is it actually good. the is it the two of them performing? It's not them yeah. listening to it. It's actually them. Yeah, it's actually track. them okay. singing. I know I know before he signed us, there's like a couple of videos of him like singing, rapping and stuff. So I think he's got history for it. But uh yeah, I think this is the start of a of a new career and hopefully um what every right back in the world should be doing during the international break, really. Your move, Pedro Porro. Um where does where do we go from there? Um Billy, thank you. That uh, there has never been a better sort of use of a commute home than than what I think. It's, I think it's nice because podcast. now that like I think it's nice that now that Podro Poro has uh, like established himself as our first <laughs> team right back that we still get Emerson Royal content. So there you go. It's got to be done. He knew we needed it. Yeah, um, I feel did. like his fiance has been the pregnant most. forever. Yeah, you need to follow his instagram because every single one of their pictures together he is like the main attraction like he i was gonna say never has a pregnancy been less the about the woman carrying a baby pregnancy. Than, yeah yeah um, he's very much the center of attention in all of their pregnancy photos keyword pregnancy but you know 
very much the we're having a baby. Yeah. <laughs> I'm proud of myself. We, we are we are pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> um however, if he's like the only footballer alive where that sort of um you know, man centering just doesn't come over as like obnoxious or offensive at yeah. all. Because I know, I don't feel insulted by it. It's wild. Yeah. Um well done, Emerson. Honestly, uh, sort of the self. He's got the self portrait, the self, the videos, the t shirt. I love that he's like wearing a t shirt with his own name. I think that that's yeah. Strong energy. <laughs> um well Emerson is Billy's winner, clearly, and for fabulous reasons. Um I was struggling to pick one really, partly because I knew that Billy was gonna do that and I foolishly placed myself third and I was gonna have to try and um try and follow that. Uh, I might just go through a few rapid fire ones. Um, I enjoyed uh, Sonny's new shoot for Calvin Klein. I feel like he's just an unending kind of, well, there is an unending supply of like high-end fashion shoots that he just sort of wheels out every few weeks now. And I could not get more, just I can't get enough of it. Particularly, and I know, Rosa, you pointed out very validly that it's not Harry Kane's fault that he looks like Harry Kane and Sonny looks like Sonny, but... I'm just enjoying the, um, you know, the sort of polar ends of the spectrum where you've got sort of Kane doing his endless sketches, sort of naffery, and then you've got Sonny, sort of Mr. Burberry, Mr. Calvin Klein. So I'm, I'm enjoying that from our captain. Um, Basuma scored an absolutely well. He didn't score, did he? he assisted an incredible goal for Mali the other day. That was um, that was pretty unreal. Um, and Decky as well. He's got a really good goal uh, for Sweden as they beat Estonia 5-0. I wonder if that's him responding perhaps to some competition he's about to get from uh, from young Brennan, maybe. Um, so I've got a few there because I knew that I wouldn't be able to compete with um, compete with Billy and Emerson. Um, did, Mickey, Rose... did Van der Ven play? No. He's obviously dropped for reasons of handsomeness. Yeah, as Sam quipped in our text group, um, did not play too handsome. Um no, I don't know Not if he's played in the second fraud. one. Um, I'm not sure if anyone can Google that quickly as we're as we're chatting. Perhaps Holland playing tonight, maybe. Um, I'll have a quick look. We're just uh, we're 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 all over this. Don't worry, guys. We're all over the place. Is what we are tonight. <laughs> and Kane scored as well. That's, that's what Emerson oh, Royal has done to Kane us. Scored. Yeah, Kane scored. <laughs> Am I allowed to be pleased? Boo. I'll keep it to myself. No, I'll keep it to myself. No, you're not. <laughs> I, okay. I think I, I think I am going to come out the other end, and I'm going to go straight into losers because I was going to say Harry Kane is my loser because obviously he's really riled up. Um, what feels like perhaps like seventy five percent of um, of Spurs Twitter, um, I would say over the weekend with um, with his quotes about being at a club now that you know where you're expected to win and if you didn't win a couple of games at Spurs it was no big deal and you know we just entered the Champions League for a bit of a laugh and if we got through the groups and whoop-de-doo but otherwise like no big deal um stop the presses guys um Sam Cornish uh the newest member of hometown glory has just swooped in like a Brennan Johnson last minute transfer um midway through the episode Sam hi welcome how was work What's up? I'm sorry I'm late. Uh, right, man. Work just happens sometimes like that, doesn't it? it uh, I'm doing good. Yeah, work was uh, work was busy, but busy is good. Uh, so busy means I have a job the next day. So everyone's happy, right? We I like mean, that. also we're not even we're we're like barely we've barely finished like part one. 
Amazing. In fact, we are not halfway through it. Leaving, leaving all the juicy bits for me. In fact, why don't we? There's just been googling scores from various countries. <laughs> Thanks for waiting, man. It's all good. Well, as as we are here and we're sort of moving at a snail's pace, give us your winner from the international break, Sam. Ooh, winner. Jude Bellingham seems to be doing pretty well, doesn't he? No, uh, not. We don't care about him. We want a Spurs-related one. Come okay, on, Spurs-related. Uh, Sonny for not actually being injured, right? That's got to be the yeah. winner. I don't know if anyone said that yet, but um, yeah, we were obviously all hysterical. Um, and, your fault, by the way. That was your fault. Yeah, uh, yeah. I apologize for that, but um, it had to break the news, right? I'd rather find out through me. Yeah, um, perhaps. I was, yeah, I was really scared. I'm, I'm. My winner is definitely him. He's, he's going to be fit, right? So, happy days. We've got our captain at the weekend. Good stuff. All right. Yeah, just injury scares in general being a massive hoax, I think, is yeah. perhaps the main winner because the, the Romero one was really scary because suddenly you're like, oh, my God, it's like, is Ash Phillips going to have to play in the North London derby? And that's that's the thing that's going to happen. Anyway, fingers crossed they'll come back in one piece. Although I wonder, I wonder if Romero will actually play because they're playing Bolivia, aren't they, which is like, the game they have to play and sort of take in oxygen because it's at some mad altitude. So I wonder jet lag and lack of oxygen reasons might mean coming in for a 3 p.m. Saturday kickoff might be uh, a bit much. But Romero's a nutcase. He'll play when he, he'll be fine. Doesn't need oxygen. <laughs> He's the best centre back in the world, says, says the greatest of all time. Um, okay, so we're on to losers. Sam, you're right bang up to date. Um, having only been with us for about 90 seconds. That's how quickly we're moving tonight. Um, I said Harry Kane, and I wonder if perhaps we can bounce around whether or not um, the sort of, well, the the fury that I I, I sort of estimated that about 75% of Spurs fans felt reading his his quotes um, seems to have generated. Rosa, you are very much like, no big deal, everyone chill out, right? Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't bother me. I mean, I like I've said it before, I I just honestly feel like my DNA has just been permanently rewired over the last 10 years. I can't not support Harry Kane. Maybe if he went to Chelsea or Arsenal, I'm sure then I would fucking hope. But ultimately, I still I still love him. I'll love him till the day I die and his quotes don't really bother me. I feel like like, I'm sure he was just asked a bunch of questions. Like, would I rather he'd been more circumspect? Yes. But I don't feel like anything he said was substantially false. Mm. So, would like, sure, it would have been nicer if he'd been a bit nicer. But I'm also, you know, he's probably, try, you know, when you go to a new country and you go to a new club, you've, like, got to ingratiate yourself with your new – with with your new fans and I feel like that's I'm sure that's just what he's doing and it doesn't it just doesn't really it doesn't hurt me like it doesn't bother me I'm like Mm. he's gone and we're doing great everyone's having like an amazing time I I genuinely want it like this is like the nicest from feeling so devastated this is like the nicest breakup ever I really want him to be happy and we're really happy so as far as I'm concerned it's fine this is um I can't lie, Rosa. This is remarkable. Like this goes against every the very fiber everything of my I know about you yeah. would suggest that you would be like hurling things at a Harry Kane shaped dartboard 
at this point in time. But the list of my enemies is long and petty. Like you guys all know this. Um, <laughs> this is why I say this is something that fundamentally has been altered in me specifically, but only in reference to him. Okay. The rest of me is all the same. Don't worry. I still um, hate you, Giovanni LaCelso. You are still in trouble. <laughs> um, boys, tell me, did you, were you pissed off, Billy? Were you pissed off about what Kane was saying? I mean, some people have said like, you know, if you compare what he's trotting out to perhaps how Declan Rice is talking about West Ham, which seems perhaps a bit more um, sort of, it's all a bit more fond and heartwarming and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Or at least perhaps sort of he seems conscious of anything he says West Ham fans are going to be, you know, reading and he wants them to sort of feel okay. Whereas I guess the the knock on what Kane's been saying from a lot of people is that, he doesn't really seem to give two shits about how Tottenham fans might be still feeling. Um, is that fair or should we stop being precious? Is he being a bit of a, you know, a bit of a dick? Like wh- where do you, where do you stand? Um, it's probably something in the middle of those two things in reality, but um, I'm choosing to um, go against Harry Kane just because I feel like that's the way we got to go. Um, because like, I, I don't, I like, whereas I said, everything he says is like probably true. Like that's definitely, well, it is true what he says. And obviously Bayern Munich have completely different expectations. My issue with it is that I don't, I don't see why he has to bring up Tottenham. They didn't ask like, um, you know, how does your time at Bayern compare with your time at Tottenham? They were just asking about expectations or something. And he, he's always sort of quick to point out what the expectations are before and what they're like now. And I think that's fine if you just say, oh yeah, I'm, I, I'm enjoying the fact that I now have to, you know, expected to win every game, expected to win every tournament or whatever. I don't see why he has to then say, oh, you know, because that was different when I was at Tottenham. And even though what he, what he said is definitely true. And I think one of, one of the things that has annoyed me online is like people saying, oh, he's just aiming at Daniel Levy. Like, he's not. Like, none of, none of, if he, and, it, and if that even is true, they say, is, say that he, what he was saying was aimed at Daniel Levy. It's a really cowardly way of doing it because um, he has no ties to Daniel Levy now whatsoever. And it also kind of implies, that he could have done it while he was actually still there and it would have like maybe made a difference to how Tottenham was run or something like that. So I don't buy into the fact that he was he was talking about Daniel Levy. And the thing about that is as well, Daniel Levy doesn't have to front those comments like the fans do. The fans are the ones which get the stick for it. The fans are the ones who have to face it in real life and social media. Like Daniel Levy does not really care about anything that Harry Kane says, whereas the fans do. So I had a bit of an issue with people. I had more of an issue with people like saying, um, you know, he, was, he wasn't talking about Tottenham. He was talking about the club, the way the clubs run and stuff. But... Um, and if that is true, I think, you know, he needed to be more direct about it. Um, so I was kind of annoyed. My main annoyance is that he just keeps mentioning Tottenham in like a negative way. And you, you mentioned Declan Rice. So Declan Rice was asked, is it a big step up to go from Arsenal to West Ham? Obviously, everyone who asked that question was expecting, yeah, it's a huge difference. Blah, blah, blah. We play in the Champions League. But Declan Rice said, no, it's not a step up at all. Um, you know, the West Ham have some amazing players. I just imagine... In the same situation, if Harry Kane was asked that exact same question, I, I don't think he would have answered it in the same way, going by his previous answer. So I just kind of wish, like, I think the things that make it easier are we're at a really exciting time in our football at the moment. I'm like the most, most buzzing that I've ever been for a long time. And if Harry, if those Harry Kane quotes had come out at a different time, like, for example, in the sort of depths of a, of a bad run or something like that, I would have been really, really angry. But now I'm just a bit like, I've, I've just lost like caring about Kane as much as I did before. And like seeing him play for England and seeing him play for Munich, I just don't really feel anything. Like I just, I thought it would either really upset me or I'd be really sort of happy for him or anything. But I just kind of just, the way that he talks about us now, I just kind of feel nothing towards him anymore, which I is a real surprise to me because like mm. Rose said, he did ultimately change everything that I believe about football. He was my whole 
know, my whole experience as a fan has basically been centered around him for 10 years. And um, I'm just a quick uh, surprised at how quickly I kind of got over it all, to be honest. So I'm not angry at him. I'm just disappointed to summarize. It's, um, it's fascinating. Sorry, Rose. Sorry, just, but just like, do we, do we actually know that like he wasn't asked specifically about Tottenham ever and that like he's voluntarily brought us up? Because I would be surprised. Um, I'm choosing to believe that um, whatever supports my argument. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the so say I mean, we all, my friend. In my, <laughs> in my experience of interviewing footballers, they, um, they'll say what they want to say regardless of what you ask them, if you know what I mean. Like they have their, they go into interviews with their message sort of pre-planned and uh, it feels to me like he's getting a lot of stuff off his chest, if you know what I mean. Like I think he's he's kind of answering the questions how he's probably been wanting to answer them for a while. Now, one of the one of the things that's sort of um, been contentious on Twitter, I don't know where you guys will stand on it, is this idea that he... Um, he, he kind of says about like they're talking about the Champions League and it was really upsetting to watch his teammates win the Champions League. Um, and a lot of people have pointed out that he's had a lot of opportunities to win trophies with Tottenham. Now, I don't, I think that's a grey area for me. I don't really know each which way I stand because a lot of the sort of narrative around Harry Kane when we were supporting him was that, you know, it's not his fault that we didn't win any of those finals. Um, the team never traditionally turns up. Um, it's easy to, you know, rival the fans. And now a lot of Tottenham fans are joining in of saying, you know, he's never turned up in any of his finals, he's never scored or anything like that. Uh, where do you guys stand on this idea that, like, he's had plenty of chances to win at Tottenham? You know, There's a bit of a low blow to say that he he was disappointed to um, to, to to have to watch people being in Champions League finals when he himself was in a Champions League final. Sam, you go first for that one, mate. I mean, the, the one that I'm thinking about immediately is obviously the Champions League final. And, you know, if you're a player, 100% that you're, uh, you're playing in that, right? If you're, even if you're carrying in a little niggle. Um, and I mean, that's kind of how he played and obviously he didn't, didn't turn up, but half the team didn't. And that, that final was dead after 60 seconds, as we all know. Um, I think it's hard to pin it all on him. It's easy for us to do that now, um, with, with the hindsight that we have and, and sort of, I'd, I'd very much feel the same way that Billy does that, you know, if, if we were in the depths of Conte misery ball, it'd be really hard to take, um, with, with what he's saying. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think it's, it's all on him, but I'm, you know, if he's going to shoot shots at us, let's shoot him back. <laughs> I, I, I agree, but I do think that it's not just Spurs where he's not particularly done it in big games. So I think, it does sort of stretch over to England. I mean, I know he's he has scored in a semi-final for England. He scored against Denmark, but that was only after missing the penalty and getting the rebound. In all the other games, you know, the Croatia game, um, the Italy final, you know, there's not really a body of evidence to suggest that he played particularly well in any of those matches. Rose has got a hand straight up. Go on, Rosa. Hold, just hold on a second, guys, because I do think, like, the the Italy, the Euro final, okay, we were a penalty shootout away from, from winning that, okay? That was like, okay, what happened on that day was our midfield was overrun by their midfield, okay? Harry Kane's not part of that. And even with that, it, it went to penalties. He scored his penalty. So as far as I'm concerned, in terms of that final, that that's a non- that's a non-argument um, for the other games. And I, I just also don't, 
there's so much pressure with England that I don't blame any player where it gets on top of them, to be honest. The weight of expectation of like however many years it is now since we've won anything, you know, because we, we saw it in the Women's World Cup final, right, where Lucy Bronze, who's won everything there is to win, like wanted to win the final so much, tried hard, lost the ball, and Spain scored. And that's it. She was the most experienced player and one of the best players that England's ever produced. And that's what happened to her in that final. It just, it happens, man. And I'm not, like, I'm just not really having that argument, to be honest, that it's just like, especially when it comes to England, where the pressure is so, so, so much. Maybe with, I think the only one where I do think it, it potentially counts is probably that League Cup the week we sacked Jose but like get because the Champions League final he's injured the lead the first League Cup final under Pochettino that was really early on um and then we weren't there's no other finals apart from that that we ever got to so I think really people, it's are, just that. people are including semis as well aren't they in this argument yeah maybe okay I mean I mean the semi-final thing for Tottenham is just mental anyway because mm. we've been in so many like we really like how we haven't managed to get through more than we have is just feels like a curse to be honest um but i think for me the only the final that maybe does count is that one but then that week was just I don't know, and we were we were playing we were a system. rabble so yeah. you know um it will be uh it will be interesting i imagine there'll be at least two finals this year um you know judging by the state of German football it'd be interesting to see how he sort of handles them up being munich like if he blanks Bayern munich finals then we've won the argument is what i'll say <laughs> And I, I do think, you know, if he wants to, you know, England's failings or otherwise, you know, cause, or we haven't mentioned the France game last year, right, where he misses the penalty and it all goes. But that's to... what I'm talking about, that kind of pressure with England. But then like, is that I don't, not, I don't is that blame not the pressure, a player for like... But then is that, if you're Harry Kane, is that not the pressure that you're supposed to be able to absorb? It is, but wanna... none of them do it. Like literally not, England players have, have not done it for 50 years now. So I think I think Harry Kane is a wonderful, amazing player, um, but obviously, like he's not actually perfect. I guess is the ultimate truth. Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't that doesn't like that to me is not a stick to beat him with, personally. Yeah, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> it's all getting, It's just weird being on the. It's very weird being in a discussion with Tottenham fans, feeling like I have to defend Harry Kane. It's all that. This is a little weird. Yeah. It is. It's a weird time because obviously, you know, a lot of us are slipping into the sort of rhetoric and arguments that we've had to kind of rail against for the best part of a decade. And um, much like Billy was saying, I'm sort of finding it bizarre how easy it's coming to me to just be like, yeah, he's such a, see, he's a you fraud. See how it happens. Right. You see how it happens. You're all like, oh, okay. And I also know, the think whole, the whole like he needs trophies. The narrative has got in his head. What's got in your head, guys? Well, do you know what's got into it. my head? Think I think it's. It. I think it's just that ultimately, I'm a Spurs fan, and I just even, however, you know, many misgivings I might have about, you know, the custodians of our club or the football we play or anything like that. I just will always revert back to like, first and foremost, I will kind of, you know, Tottenham Hotspur is my hill to die on. And if you leave us, then 
unless you're doing it in you know a, a really lovely way then i will probably become very petty and spiteful in order except to, he left the deserve. way you wanted him to leave he didn't stay in england well i wanted him to stay that's you know that was like the him going to germany is the best worst option if you know what I mean. yeah right but um, so he left in the best way really yeah yeah and it's, it's important it is, it's, it's, the layers it's, it's important to remind ourselves of that as well right because we could be yeah. you know even even if he had stayed i think the season would feel different right i kind of was trying to chat about this with a friend earlier you know i don't think we'd be having quite the same vibe fest if harry was still here but you know, intimating that he, you know, couldn't talk about signing a contract or there was all rumours swirling around about other clubs. I think we have been afforded such a clean slate. And yeah, it was a really painful breakup at the time and we all did a fucking playlist and it was horrific and, you know, all the rest of it. But I think ultimately, much like with, you know, actual relationship breakups, if you are brave and bold and you do what is needed to be done, and you absorb those first sort of stomach punch weeks of it feeling dreadful, you realise that it was all for the best. And I think that's where we're at. So um... I do agree with that. I do think it's been like the thought of having like contracts, negotiations or, of it, you know, or seeing where he would go on a free this summer would would have massively, massively mm. killed the buzz that we all have. And so also, I'm you know, like, seeing like that. seeing Sonny embrace being captain the way he has and Romero and Madison stepping up like I, I don't know if all of these things would have necessarily happened. And I think they're bringing us such joy in a way that, you know, I don't think Kane was able to bring particularly anymore because, you know, he was so over it and he just wanted to be gone. And, you know, however painful that is to recognise for us all, that, you know, that was the case. And now we don't have that energy around the place. And I don't say, I'm not saying I blame him for feeling that way, but I think we are where we are now and it's a lot healthier. Um, yeah, I agree with that, I and I also think, and that's also why I don't, I don't have any animosity towards yeah. Kane because I think this feels, this feels so good. To stress, Rosa, your perspective here is by far the healthiest. <laughs> yes, I've done <laughs> it, it for once. It is really funny how football like completely just makes hypocrites and like pettiness people of all because like I was so sure that I would never, my love for Harry Kane would not budge or like I would, you know, when Harry Kane leaves, I would always support him no matter what. It took me like one week to change that and um it's just like football like rewires your brain from being like a rational moral person to being like a tribal um sort of tub thumping caveman yeah. pretty quickly it really does um let's move on because we've got like three quarters of the podcast to do. <laughs> um sam who was your loser from the international break gotta go outside the box again but um it's got to be the italian national team um, for not picking uh, our boy Destiny. But uh, I'm really glad that he came down with um, a surprise fever and couldn't play for the under-21s as well. I forgot about this. I respect yeah. that. Um, and has he been... He's since been photographed sort of out having a lovely time on Instagram, right? So he sure did that interview with Vicario since then, right? I think, uh, I think, I th I think that might have been filmed before the international yeah. break, if it's the Sky one. Um but yeah, he's pissed off. It wasn't called up, probably right. He's yeah, just yeah. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a Premier League fan, I'm a... Yeah, but he all the Italians leave. are super mad about it as well, right? They're like, yeah. why is why isn't he playing? And why isn't mm. like and now they like want Vicario to be their number one as well, which is amazing. That's an interesting wrinkle of this international break is they've like turned on um, Donnarumma. Yeah, and uh, they all want Vicario. So like, Andrew's just having effects all over the world at the moment. 
It's crazy, isn't it? It's really crazy. Japan beat um, Germany, which were basically exclusively hand to hand just two years that he spent as well. We're claiming that as well, right? Yeah. Isn't uh, the Japan manager one of Ange's guys? I feel like he let's mentioned... say yes. Let's I'm just gonna go with that. I feel like I feel like he mentioned it. Yeah. Let's let's put it out Everyone. into the world and we'll make it we'll make it so. Um okay, Sam's loser is the nation of Italy. Good. Um Rosa, who's your loser? Yeah, man, it's also us because we need our <laughs> fix. We need it. We Fuck do you, international break. It's like, look what's look what it's done to us. We're all like, we're dying. We're desperate to get back. And we're all fighting about Harry Kane. This is no good. Yeah, good point. Good point. Well made. Okay, Billy, your loser. Um, I was actually going to go with Italy as well, but I was going to just say boring international manager in general for the same reasons that Sam says. And also for Southgate playing Madison left wing. Like, what the fuck was that about? Like, he's literally the most like, informed midfielder in the Premier League right now. And he just like shunts him onto the left wing in space of uh, Jordan Henderson as well, who is playing in Saudi Arabia at the moment. Um, yeah, I just, I find that, you know, what's really disappointing about it as well is I think England have got a really, really good group of youngsters, good group of players, really exciting players, got like Bellingham, Foden, and they just got like the most boring manager ever. And like, mm. I know um, he was like a breath of fresh air when he first came in, but that was a long time ago now. And I'm really bored of him. And I just want James Madison to be happy. I am, um, I feel like Madison's destined to become this generation's like Glenn Hoddle or if we can still say his name, Matt Letizia, and sort of those misunderstood, you know, playmaker, virtuoso. Misunderstood, you say? Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> on the pitch, on the pitch, on the pitch. So what you're saying that. is it's a conspiracy. It's a conspiracy. It's a conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Christ, what have I done? Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Madders, Madders, King of the Roast dinner is Grealish, right? Like Grealish doesn't even get a look in for England at the moment. Yeah, I think, yeah, and like and Grealish literally like, plays like left wing for Man City, right? That's his, that's <laughs> his role. Like what? I just don't understand. Like Grealish pulled top. out of the squad though, didn't he? Yeah. God's sake, Rosa, stop. Sorry, with facts the only reason What's going I know on? that I don't know, I don't know. I'm so this is not, not no, your normally, role on this podcast. It's so true. Normally, I'm like <laughs> opinions. I don't care. Um, opinions, I do care. Facts, I don't care. Um, but it's only because I was like shocked to discover, as Sam can testify, that Grealish is older than James Madison by a full year. Well, they're both older than months. I think you might think, right? Because Grealish is what twenty eight, Madison's about to turn twenty seven, or is yeah. twenty seven? Like, I mean, but Madison to me has been around like for for a long time. Yeah. Whereas Grealish was like a puppy at Villa, and then is now what like a grown up? No. I mean, to be fair, we nearly signed him about 16 managers ago now, didn't we? So he, it has been a while since he's he's been looking about. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, fine. If I really We're just all old, Rosa. We're old. Fine. Hating facts. She's back in the room. fashion. Is he actually injured? That's the question you've got to ask yourself. Is he actually injured? Has anyone seen the proof of this? Um, yeah, at, Madison was actually my loser because I feel like he is, under Southgate at least, sort of going to become this generation's forgotten um creative mid but however of course he is he has sort of owned the international brand i mean david squires the um guardian uh cartoonist dedicated his whole piece this week to james madison's um roast dinner sort of ridiculousness so um in many ways this this win this this window this uh this international break has belonged to matters how did you guys feel about uh 
EE making Madison present Saka his second Player of the Year award. Oh, it was definitely like, orchestrated by some Arsenal intern, wasn't it? Like just like a hundred percent, hundred percent. Like some social media guy for EE has just been like, let's just make Madison present it because it's funny, and it wasn't funny. Because there's no reason for that to be. It's not like Madison's like an established member of the squad, even like it doesn't. Also, now that we're talking about, I know we've been talking about this guy a lot, but but how didn't Kane win that award? He scored in like literally every single England game of the of the. He scored in seven in a row or something like that. Like I don't know. Now I can get not annoyed as about that as I would do this time last month. But um, or are you back in, Billy? I just assumed. I I just assumed (laughs) it was on. I just assumed it was an online vote, and therefore Arsenal fans would have, you know, torpedoed the whole and thing. As but... you said, when I was I mentioned this to you, he literally broke the fucking record this year in <laughs> in that spec of time. Like, how do you not win that award? It's absurd. England's I don't even understand what Saka's got it for, like being largely invisible. I don't. I, I feel like I've struck the Qatar World Cup from my brain. Like, did Saka have a really good tournament? I I can remember I him scoring so. in the first game, but. Didn't he score like one really good goal in like a, one of the qualifiers like recent? Didn't he score an absolute yeah, goal? Yeah, like, uh, Old Trafford or something, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just going to put it down to it being an online thing, or oh, there was some merch. That was is almost certainly what it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, he took it really well though. For the record, anyone that hasn't seen it, he yeah, stand up guy as you'd expect. But they're like mates as well. Like Madison is like, from what I can tell from his Insta feed in the England camp, he's like BFFs with literally everybody. Yeah, him and Jude Bellingham seem to be particularly tight. Like Bellingham always comments on his on any Madison post. Get him um, in. They can he, both he, like roll their eyes at Southgate and Henderson and being like, oh, so we're both being like fucked over for this guy. Yeah. Um, Bellingham referenced like some throwback Spurs players. Um, in one of his comments on a on on a Madison post, which got me thinking that maybe he's a secret Spurs fan, and you know, Amazing. one one day he would be my like dream player to play mm-hmm. for Tottenham. By the way, like imagine him playing under Ange. Good mm-hmm. good grief! Um, Don't I need to lie down? <laughs> anyway, okay, that's international break covered. It only took us two hours. Good. Um, Sheffield United uh, is on the weekend. Thank the living Gord. Gord, I can't even speak. Thank the living Dutch cheese. Um, some housekeeping before we start. Um, we really want to shout out the work once again of the mighty THFC flags. Um, they've got a very, very cool surfer flag ready to go on Saturday, but they need our help, people. Um, please drop them or us a line on Twitter if you're available. Um, they need volunteers to help with setup two hours before kickoff for about 20 minutes. And then about an hour later, um, so half an hour before kickoff, um, and they need quite a few extra people, uh, we understand. So please, 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 if you're around and you can tear yourself away from the blue coats or the corner pin or the Antwerp or wherever for a very good cause, um, please do. Because, Sam, the flag looks pretty cool, right? Really into it. I mean, yeah, so much time and effort goes into it. Um, I think I said on the last pod that I was on, uh the TIFO for the United game was my first time being, you know, actively involved in it sort of from not quite the start, but understanding how one of these things sort of comes to life. Um, rather than just like holding up a piece of paper. Like there's there's multiple designs that sort of filtered through and obviously these things have to go to production, then organized. It needs to be cleared with the club. Um I'm I'm sure I'm missing multiple steps here, but yeah, just like a ton of time on top of people's full-time jobs is is going to this just for the love of the club 
Um, so yeah, I think just a handful of people that can help them out to literally just, you know, get this flag up in the air so people can, can hold it up would be, yeah, really nice to see. Um, so and, um, am I right in describing the flag as basically a big fuck off angry cockerel? Yes. Yes. North London. It's, cool. it's going to be good. I think, okay. yeah, nice, nice, big, uh, aggressive vibes, get the crowd going before kickoff. I'm into it. Is, um, and is this a response to that? Because I, I saw some weird criticism of the United TIFO that it was like too friendly. That, yeah, I think that the interpretation taking... could have been that we were welcoming Manchester United, its players and staff to North <laughs> to yeah. N17, which seems like a wild take to me. But yeah, uh, I don't know. I think that like there's so many of the the guys like in the design team uh, that. Um, are just like sketching stuff all day long because they love the club and they're all they're all settled on this one. Um, and I guess it's it's nice to have a bit of a contrast to something with yeah a little bit more oomph uh, and and aggression, a bit of intimidation from from the South Stand. Yeah, yeah. blades deal with our enormous cockerel. <laughs> <laughs> Billy, were you going to say something uh, pretty deep? I imagine about this. I know it's very close to your heart as well. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I, I was um, speaking to the guys the other day. I, I managed to speak to um, a guy that Sam, I'm sure, one of the lead designers. I was I had, having a little chat with him online, and I saw some of the stuff they got in the pipeline for some upcoming games, some special upcoming games, if you can read between the lines which one that might be in November. Um, so, yeah, it's a really exciting time. I just hope everyone backs them and gets involved because a lot of people say on when they sort of tweet stuff, you know, oh, why aren't the club paying for this? But it's not what they're about. They want it to be like fan-led and sort of come from the fans. Um, as most of the sort of ultra movements in, um, you know, in, in European countries are, they want it to come directly from the fans. So, you know, please support them. Um, even just a couple of pounds makes a big difference um, because, uh, you know, they're, they're really, really top guys and they've got uh, managed to see some of the designs that they're, they're sort of floating about for the next few months or so and there's some really, really good stuff. So I think we've all got to get behind them really because they're just group of fans trying to do what's best for the club and i think it can make a real big difference like the man united one did that i thought that was yeah. exceptional and like sam i was sort of privy to some of the things that went into the organization of that and it's insane the amount of hard work that goes on behind the scenes from from the guys there so yeah let's get behind them and let's support them because um i think it could be the start of something really special they've got some big big plans big ideas so let's back them um speaking of big stuff have we still got the drum and the um it was what was the thing at the beginning the trumpet yeah it's part of the match day uh routine now right all oh, right wow okay the drums um, absolutely yeah. okay wicked i'm I'm into it i, think, I know I it's, it's a shame tom and ash aren't here because i feel like they're kind of on the fence still about the trumpet particularly but um uh i was into it at the united game big time i thought the atmosphere was yeah. like electric for the first yeah, few ash up the back of three two four and and let him have his say after he sings a few songs, has a dance to a drum. There you go. That's what we... <laughs> and also, I've got, got, got a shout out Spurs song sheet, um, as I do often on this podcast, because, again, we've, I've been chatting to them in the DMs, trying to get some some new chants going together, and um, they've got some really good ideas to come in the pipeline as well. We're trying to think of, like, some ones that are really good for the drum. We're looking at a lot of... Um, I don't want to say we're basically just stealing Celtic songs, but, you know, that that's part <laughs> of it. And uh, they've been looking at some really some some of like the best songs from Europe and stuff, and we've got some got some good ones that are coming soon. So yeah, get learning those as well because I, I think this it's a really exciting time to be a Tottenham 
supporter and it's a really exciting time to be a fan and these you know this is my kind of thing like all these sort of fan-led organizations that are coming up i think it's it's everything that I like about football and I just hope that we can all sort of come together on the pitch and off the pitch to really make this a special era of Tottenham. Well said, boys. Well said. Um, let's keep the good vibes going. Give me one thing you're very, very, very excited about for Sheffield United on the weekend. Rosa, you first. What can you not wait to see? You guys. Oh. For real. I'm so excited. <laughs> um, <laughs> what are you saying? Um, I'm going to be where I normally sit. My dad's oh, cool. going. So, oh, um, yeah, I'll be in our regular block. I'm, oh, great. Yes, yeah, so obviously, I mean, we've hardly played at home anyway, so it's not like I've missed loads of games. But um, I did miss the United one. So I'm just really, really, really excited to be back with you guys and just to and see everything, see the flags, see, just hear the drum, hear, like, give my opinion on it all. Um, experience and ball live. Like, I feel all trembly just thinking about it. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot. Um, Oh, that's great news. Excellent stuff. Billy, what are you excited about, mate? Oh, well, it's a bit of a sticky subject because one of the teachers had the audacity to do a a stag do on that day. So I'm not actually going to be there. And I just, I just actually, I had to Google it because it feels like literally years, but it's been, the the last home game for us was the 19th of August, which is mental. It's been almost a month. And uh, I'm actually going to have to wait till the Liverpool game until I get to experience all again. So I'm, I'm, it's a bit of a sore subject for me, but I am just looking forward to our amazing squad of players being back and um, just going to shout out a few names like you, Doggy. Really excited to see him, Madison. Um, really excited to see Basuma, you know, Vicario. Basically, just, I would literally just name the entire 11. I'm just really excited mm. for Tottenham to be back um, because this international break has been really draining mentally mm. and I just I can't get enough of Tottenham and what this made me realise as well like um, when you when you become a team that plays really exciting football it kind of ruins other football for you I don't know if you noticed that but like I know I now get it when people that we used to play against last year were like really sort of critical of like Conte Ball and like Mourinho and all these people it is you know once you have a fix of this kind of football you just you can't get enough of it so yeah I'm really excited for it So, um, oh, sorry. sorry, Sam. No, no, go on, mate. Go on. I was just going to say, I'm yeah, buzzing for the vibes like Rose. I can't wait to be back. The atmosphere, um, really, yeah, that's crazy how long it's been since since the last home game. Um, a couple of away days I did since was able to sort of scratch that itch. Uh, but I'm, I'm really excited to be back in the South Stand and making some noise. Um, but I think the thing I'm most excited to, to see will be hopefully Brennan Johnson hitting the uh, hitting the speed down the wing. I want to see this kid fly. So top of the list for me. Um, do we reckon, because the front three is interesting, right? Because obviously you've got, and what my my pick, by the way, was going to be just cheering really, really, really loud and lustily for, for Richarlison, just giving him a load of support. He's obviously having a really rough time. There's those awful images of him in tears on the bench after coming off. For Brazil, having, I believe, missed at least one very, very sort of guilt-edged chance. Um, so it feels like we need to all wrap our collective coisy arms around Richie right now. And I really hope that, um, well, I actually really hope he starts, actually. I would love it if he, and I I wonder as well, without getting all sort of tactical, I wonder if this is actually a decent fixture for him in the sense that, as I think we, we spoke about last time, you know, Burnley was ideal because they came out and they tried to press us and they left space in behind for Sonny to be able to sort of 
run in behind. It sounds like from what I've read, Sheffield United are going to play the lowest of low blocks, sort of five at the back, try and nick a point, you know, play for set pieces, etc. So maybe having a centre forward that can pin and you know pin the centre backs, give them something a bit more physical to think about, could be what is in order for for the weekend. So I I would love it. Oh my god, I would love it. And he, he really, I know he scored against Fulham, but what he needs is a is a goal at home, right? He needs a goal in front of the South Stand to feel that love sort of come cascading down the stands for him. So I would like nothing more than a, a Richie redemption game. That would be that would be terrific. Um, but yeah, um, I wonder with the front three, because obviously last time out we scored five goals and it was Solomon, Son and Kulisevsky. Now we have Brennan, um, who's played a couple of times for Wales, two fairly unremarkable performances, I believe, but um, and does like throwing players in, it seems, without, you know, if he's fond of them, as we saw with Van der Ven and everyone else, he will pick them. But I imagine he's on the bench, right? Johnson for Saturday, Rosa, Billy, yeah. Sam, reckon? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think come the front on three, yeah, surely it'll be Sun, Richarlison, Kulu. Although you just don't know Revenge. Like, no. you know, I sort of say it like he's like a regular manager, but then I'm like, could do anything. Yeah. And I don't, I assume Brazil have got a midweek game that Richarlison's having to play in before flying all the way back. So he might, he might also, you know, be struggling with travel and stuff as well. So um perhaps he will he will be on the bench but we shall see either way i mean sheffield united have one point they drew their last game at home to everton to all lost the three before that i think to palace uh city and west ham um so i mean like this should hopefully be a fun a fun game for us, he says, completely jinxing it. This but... is this has never gone wrong for us before. No, never they, ever. They weren't terrible mean... against C from what I saw actually, but they were at home. So Yeah. And they lost They anyway. were at home. And it yeah. Um it'd be interesting to see how they approach it. That Cameron Archer looks quite good, who they signed off um off Villa, who I think starred for the under twenty ones in their tournament win in the summer. He scored a good goal against Everton on the week well, seven weekends ago or whenever it was before these internationals were played. Um, but yeah, just cannot wait to get back. Give me your predictions quickly, please, guys. Sam, prediction? 4-1, Tottenham. Nice. Nice. 4-1 for Sam, Billy? I'm going 4-0. I'm going 4-0. Clean sheet, good. Rosa? 2-0. Oh. I think that'll just what? be harder to score against. I, I agree. I think I'm going to say 2 1. I've just got a feeling that we might concede first and. Yeah, off a uh, stupid corner. Yeah, yeah, you could see it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just, I, because I feel like it's one of those games where like the vibes are so high and everyone is just like so, so excited that it would feel the most first thing. And also, I, I do think that we kind of start a bit. We've so far, we've started games a wee bit slowly with Ange. It seems to take the players five minutes to sort of remember that they can do what he's asking them to do. And I mean, we saw against Burnley, right? We conceded very early before sort of wiping the floor with them. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's that slight, um, I'm not going to say overconfidence, but perhaps, you know, everyone is so buoyant at the moment that I could totally see us conceding a corner after two minutes and, you know, I don't even think it's scoring another own goal. Yeah. I think it's probably just getting used to everything. Maybe mm. just that sort of, Oh, okay. This is what we do. So you yeah. can, and you could probably see Sheffield, 
trying to take advantage of that actually being like okay yeah. let's just let's just try and get something like early doors and mm. then just lock it down but um and also we are still tottenham like we crashed yeah. out of the carabao cup so but this is always a possibility yeah completely we literally um, lost our last game to Sheffield united last year to be fair we've, so. we've <laughs> yeah no i don't the remember i'll say the, the lowest the lowest point of the covid era as well that 3-1 at Bramall Lane was hideous, wasn't it? Remember that stupid Lucas yeah, Moore goal that wasn't? And, yeah, yeah. Oh my God. They're totally what happened, there was like, Remember that um, like Kane, when Kane scored that goal and like, it got disallowed because of Moore's handball? Mm-hmm. That was yeah. Sheffield United. Like, also, Poch's final game was at yeah. home to Sheffield United. Oh my God. <laughs> we, that really a draw, are wasn't it? That said, we the League Cup <laughs> semi-finals um, yeah. in Poch's really first season. Well. Yeah, no. We also <laughs> missed that <laughs> very nearly <laughs> That was awful. Oh, God, that was so embarrassing, wasn't it? There was like yeah. 10 minutes where, wasn't it? We were legitimately going to lose. Went yeah. Time, it? It went, yeah. Didn't a very young, um, oh, shit, who's the Southampton striker that's playing for Scotland tonight against England? Oh, Adams. Adams. Yeah, didn't Che Adams, like, age yeah, 14 or something, come on and score to nearly knock it? Anyway, just what we're saying, guys, is we'd be lucky to get any sort of victory against what is clearly the <laughs> ultimate banana skin for Tottenham Hotspur. Um, Christ, I'm no longer excited. What the <laughs> This is one of my Curse biggest worries. Team. I was finally going to make it back and uh, this would happen. So, Rosa, you cannot attend, please. going to be away. fine. Stay away. <laughs> um, okay, cool. Uh, that's our predictions for Sheffield United. I'm glad that we've all spooked each other on that. Um Let's talk about something else mildly frightening. Um, the prospects of Spurs women, Rosa. Um, obviously, Bethany England is injured, which is the first sort of catastrophic thing to have afflicted our preseason, other than a distinct lack of exciting signings, or at least signings to pad out what feels like a very thin squad. Is that fair? Yeah, it's been uh, pretty crap. <laughs> to be honest. Um, yeah, the Bethany England injury is really, really scary. Um, largely because like Spurs put out, like they just literally tweeted, oh, sadly, Bethany England's had to undergo surgery and she'll be out for a period of time. That was all the information we got. And then Bethany England herself had to say, sorry, guys, this is going to be quite a while. It's quite serious. Um, and so we got more information from her than from the club, which is um, pretty half of the course as things go so that happened and then we also haven't made we've so our striker is injured um we've sent out our other striker um nikki karchev got on loan so we don't have any we basically don't have any strikers and we don't seem to be making any moves to get one the transfer window be, um, shuts on it's thursday gonna be your girl, it's gonna be your girl rose out front all season isn't like, it? i know honestly i bet but ultimately i'm very very concerned um and robert Villam, our manager was interviewed the other day and he said that the plan is not to buy the plan is to develop existing players so it's not but I'm like what what players are we talking about we've got about 15 <laughs> um so I'm very I'm ultimately I'm I'm very concerned and um, but mostly I'm concerned because as ever there's no communication from the club we don't really we don't really know what their vision is for Spurs women like fine if they want to develop players but is there a plan to bring players through or given that our squad's really thin. Are they going to put loads of money into, say, the technical staff or the medical staff to make sure these things don't happen? I don't know. Um, I, but I also don't, you know, I don't want to get 
gloomy about it because one of the things is that we just we literally haven't seen them play yet because it's my last complaint we've had like several friendlies behind closed doors none of which we've been able to watch on Spurs play which is really pathetic in my opinion like Liverpool Mm. and United are playing each other behind closed doors and those games are going to be available to watch on Man United TV and Liverpool TV like I don't understand what Spurs are playing at pardon the pun (laughs) Um, so I don't and the games have been fine that we've played so far we've had like a nil-nil against Villa and a nil-nil against Brighton which actually given last season I think and given the moves that both of those teams have been making in the transfer window seems okay I mean it's mad isn't it because we we could see some evidence but we literally beat Brighton 9-0 last season and it feels like and I think that's the thing right is that um it's not so much, you know, we're, there seems to be some sort of quiet enthusiasm and excitement around our new coach. And I'm sure he will be able to get a bit more out of the existing players that remain. However, like it's the strengthening that rivals are doing that seems to be the biggest worry. And that's, that's the big, like, live, um, you know, oh my God, what is the club I'm talking about? Villa. <laughs> um, have bought like two additional strikers. Mm. They already have Rachel Daly who got the golden boot last season. Yeah. So um, Brian bought um, Vicky Lasada, who's a very experienced international, um, like, I think like West Ham, who have not signed anybody, also have just signed someone from Japan's uh, World Cup team. So it's just loads of, like, the players around us are strengthening and making moves. And we seem to be doing that classic Tottenham thing of having, like, a plan that we don't tell anyone, but also Mm. behaving as if we're in a vacuum and nothing else is going on. So it could all be fine. Um, And Wilhelm did say that it was all about trying to get back to, you know, to have a style that Tottenham should be playing, which obviously could be really exciting those are the right those are the sorts of things you want to hear from a coach for sure um but we just have no idea what any of that looks like right now because we haven't been able to see any of it so yeah. we'll see I mean the other thing is I actually listening to um Billy and Sam talk earlier actually about kind of you know the flags and the songs and all of that and I do think actually maybe it's time for us as fans to kind of take charge a little bit more and just and um, try to do something yeah. and stop kind of waiting for the club because mm. that's been that's been really successful I think for the men's team and obviously it's such a it's a different vibe the fan base is much bigger but actually maybe we need to start thinking about kind of putting some of our energy that way as well yeah um Sam you're inspired you're gonna get a bit you more guys. they are pretty inspirational um Sam you're you're getting involved this season right with Spurs women yeah I was just gonna say um the weekend of the Liverpool game, we play Liverpool on the Saturday. I'm not 100% sure what time kickoff is there, but the following day, you can have a football festival weekend because we're away at Chelsea. Tickets, I was looking today, are £7.50. Come to Chelsea away with me. What a weekend. Yeah. Um, and it's Stamford Bridge. I've Like, I've never been. Yeah, let's you go. Son of a bitch, I'm in. Exactly. You know, let's just do it. Let's just go support our team and make some noise and, you know, show the club that there's actually people here that care about that team, I guess. And, you know, we we spoke about this a few weeks ago, but I think ultimately, you know, we do just have to show up to matches. I think, you know, there is, it's all very well people like us talking on podcasts like this about, oh, nothing's happening with Spurs women. You know, why is there... 
no communication, there's no strategy, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, if if you're looking at it in a very black and white sort of business sense and you're looking at the attendances down at Leighton Orient for, for our home games last season, then the club are probably thinking, well, you know, these these pricks don't care. Like, no one's, no one's going to these matches. And obviously, you know, like, they've moved the team around to different stadiums. They're not marketing them particularly well, blah, blah, blah. There are There are reasons for that fans aren't to blame however I think Rose is completely right we do need to sort of take the ball by the horns a bit if we want Spurs women to become more of a you know a a priority for the club I suppose we as fans have to show them that we are prioritizing our support um you know for the women's team as much as we do for the men's um so yeah I am I'm doubling down on my commitment to being you know, interested and attending where I can and taking my daughter, um, you know, because I think I said, like, I, I took her to the, she's nearly five. I took her to the Shaktel friendly. She still found it, like, very noisy, very overwhelming. It's too much, I think. Too yeah. much, like, but I think, and and I think, you know, we've also said on this pod before that, and I know there's been some, you know, reasonably heated debate online about how women's football is pitched and it's often sort of, pigeonholed as like oh it's the family alternative and it's like the kind of pc easy watch for young children and you know that i think is is fraught with you know issues as well because you do want passionate fans there that aren't having to like be mindful because there's a five-year-old there that just wants a nice day out and you know gets an ice cream or whatever so i think we need to balance balance the two schools of thought there but um yeah we just need to turn up Quite honestly, I think that's the main thing. Um, yeah, and I, I will say this: like, I do think I don't think any of this is is the fans' fault either, because I do no, think neither am I. I by the way, before everyone shouts at me, it's not yeah. the fans' fault. <laughs> but it's more that it's more that I do think um, with women's football, you do have to invest first, and then mm. and and the crowds will come later. That's just the way it is because of the yeah. history of the game and everything that we know around it. You do have to like the clubs themselves. Um, and the custodians of the game, whatever, do have to take responsibility. But I just think it would let's let's just do it. Let's just yeah, we don't need to. We can acknowledge mm. all of their wrongdoing and at the same time show up ourselves, basically. Absolutely, good stuff. All right, that was nicely rousing. Um, let's um, let's talk culture. We've done football, whatever. Let's talk about the good stuff. Culture, um, Rosa. What's your pick for this week? Um, well, mine is. Um, because I'm still in my grieving period for Davinson Sanchez. Um, I'm just still um, representing Colombia, basically. So I've been listening to the new Maluma record, which is hilariously called Don Juan. <laughs> just very typical of him. And also um, Carol G, who has released a mixtape. Um, much like Davinson, they are hit and miss with some... <laughs> bangers on there and some uh not bangers um but overall they're both really fun um i also watched um you hurt my feelings with uh my beloved um arian moyed who you all know is Stewie from succession and tobias menzies and julia louis dreyfus and it was not great i've got to say they were lovely, but it was one of those movies where I was like, I don't really understand. I'm sort mm. of done with films about incredibly well-off people having minimal problems. 
like I had some nice moments where I was like, I don't care, I don't care, guys. You're all very delightful, but I have zero interest in your problems. Like it's fun if you like those actors, which I do. Mm-hmm. And it's only an hour and a half, which is obviously always a selling point on this pod. But ultimately, um, a bit of a letdown. So not like David Sanchez, just to wrap that all up for you. Okay. That was nicely done. Um, Thank you. How, how are you feeling about Davinson, by the way, now? Um, it's just going to be weird, to be honest. I think it's going to be really weird to go to the stadium and to like not see him anywhere, basically. Um, and I haven't really, I don't even know if they're, I, have, I don't even know if he's played a game yet for Galatasaray. So I just think it's just be, it's just weird. It's just weird to think that he was here for so long and we, and everybody fought about him for so long and now he's gone, but he did do, I'm really appreciative of his very heartfelt farewell video. So, and I hope, you know, like I said last week, I really hope he knows that he did have like people who really, really backed him um, because he did seem to really love us. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I've made my peace with it ultimately. Uh, Sam, what's your culture pick? Uh, I've got a couple. So um, I was in Lisbon a couple of weeks ago and the I was getting a tattoo. Tattoo artist uh, was just playing bangers nonstop. So a record by Jennifer Lara, um, Weekend Loving, Get Around It. Um, it is, it's like exactly what I want to listen to, sort of obviously getting a tattoo, but like late night, having a drink at like a nice nice cocktail bar or something, but it's also just, yeah, it's weekend loving, throw it on while you're driving, while you're walking down the street. It's, it's good vibes, big vibes. Um, so get around that. And then I have to, say, I have to interrupt you and in say, um, like, I've, I know we've been talking about it on Twitter, but I'm genuinely up for getting my first tattoo and I really want to make it an Ange one. And I really want him to win something so that I can like, just get it without like, my worry is if I get an Ange tattoo, like right now, He's gonna have like something will go drastically wrong. And, you like, can't get one now. You can't get. I know. Yeah, I know. So <laughs> Ali, really, stop. I, Ali, stop. One, one trophy, and I'll do it with you. Sam, really that, have you got one already? Sorry, Sam. Have I? We're booking this. You're allowed. You're like, Australian. Stop, like, he means more to you for other reasons. It's okay. Is really, it going to be I'm enjoy your lunch one. in Latin? Yeah. <laughs> in Australian, in pure Australian. <laughs> enjoy. By the way. This is a cultural bit, and I fell off line then, so you might have already mentioned this, and apologies for doing that. Um, what would it take for you to get a Spurs tattoo? I was having this conversation uh, just recently, actually, with um, with Kate, who is uh, a listener of the podcast, and she, we were talking about sort of how close you might have come in the past to getting a Spurs tattoo. I said with a few friends, if we'd won the Champions League final... I would have gotten Koi somewhere. Same in the Leicester season. Had we won the title that season, I would have got a Koi's, a discreet Koi somewhere about my I think person. we all agreed it in our group. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, point. Think it, yeah. yeah. Those are my two as well. I was mentally mm-hmm. preparing to get a tattoo. My dad's got loads of tattoos when he, from when he's like 18 and he absolutely hates them and he always wears like sleeves everywhere like he always wears long sleeves because he really just he's got like sleeve tattoos and everything and which he got when he was in the navy when he's like 18 and he's always like brought me up to be really regretful of tattoos but now i really want one and um yeah so i think it's gonna have to be some kind of you know what i would even do it for an fa cup this year i'll do it straight away on the day of the fa cup that we want it i would and i mean sam and talking about getting enjoy your lunch like i really just want to get that i just really want to get enjoy your lunch tattooed on me I'm ready. Um, 
It's a good question there, Charlie. Yeah. I, I want to do a, a, a like a little project this season. I've basically got like not hundreds, but like probably 50 odd photos now of people that have Spurs tattoos. And I want to sort of flesh that out and put together like as many as I can. And maybe with like a paragraph of everyone's story of like, how old were you when you got it? Like, why did you get it? Um, did you have like second thoughts? Like when things were went went wrong? I think it'd be really interesting to I, see you got a photo of that dude, which um, I always see him in Tottenham as well. He's the one with the Tottenham till I die tattooed on his head. I always yes. see that guy. One of your, I remember you posted a pic of that guy. I literally see him every single game. It's somewhere around. Like, what a legend that guy is, man! So good, so good. Yeah, and I mean, like, I'm sure everyone knows knows who the rabbi is. Those that don't, he's like, yeah, Tot- Tottenham legend in in the South Stand Park Lane. Um, uh, my my mate who is a, a much much better photographer than I am wants to sort of sit down with him and and like document all of his tattoos like in a very um sort of artsy way. But um, that's going to be magical. I can't wait for that to happen. I've got his number. If you uh, if you want me to hook your friend up, I can sort that out. No problem. <laughs> oh, let's chat. <laughs> we are making art happen on this very pod. Incredible. Oh, this is good. This is wonderful <laughs> stuff. This is wonderful stuff. Um. Sam, had you finished your culture picks before we started talking about tattoos? Um, I was, yeah, I, I was about to say a big thanks to you guys because I I tried Top Boy maybe a couple of years ago, um, but yeah, picked it up again with my partner and we're, we're both thoroughly enjoying it. But we found out today that um, we watched the wrong one because there's, oh, yeah. <laughs> is it, is it Summerhouse, which is, is, is the original? Oh, you didn't go all the way back. Yeah, screwed up. I Um, I gotta blame Netflix for that one. But I mean, Netflix kind of pretend that it doesn't exist as well. Like they're very much like this is Top Boy now, and I think I think those first two series are the best personally. Can I get your your opinion quickly? And it do I stop where I am? I'm sort of three quarters way through the first season. Do I go back, watch from the start, or just finish it? I would go back and watch it because I think it's. Well, firstly, there's a couple of characters which they basically just pretend had never existed. So you, you won't you won't exactly be missing much, like canonically. But um, I think definitely go back and watch it because there's also some like insanely famous actors in there. From like I think um, I think like Florence Pugh's in it, and like um, uh, I forget the name of the woman that's in Black Panther, but she's in it as well. And it's like yeah, some really famous actors making their like their first appearances and stuff as well. It's really cool. So yeah, I would definitely recommend going back to watch it. Consider it done. Good, amazing. You've got some homework to do, Sammy boy um all right good stuff um billy had you done your culture pick whilst i disappeared or uh, nope. we just got um, straight to sam? <laughs> very professional you know, tonight that, um, very professional now that sam reminded me actually i've got 20 minutes of top boy to go like ever and um yeah i'm a bit sad about that because uh, i it's been a big it's been a big favorite of mine for a long time i really like the music i really like everything about it i really like the way it's shot i think kano is like an like, just one of the most talented people that this country has ever produced for a magnitude of reasons but he's also a really good actor and i think it's really sad that this sort of show is coming to an end um and i when i was watching this last series i'm not obviously won't spoil anything but i I would just like watch this forever i would just i know that every series basically follows the same general storyline and outline there's there's not much depth to it but it's just i really like it so i'm really sad that that's ending but i've got literally 20 minutes to go of that which i'm going to watch straight after this so yeah top boy but i actually watched two I've been in like a real dirge of films lately because basically in the sort of Barbie Oppenheimer wake, like nothing has come out and there's a lot of strikes going on as well. 
And um, Barbie has finally been knocked off the top spot now by a film, which I'll talk about in one second. But I also watched this film called Past Lives, which is like a Korean film. And um, it's like a romantic film about um, set over like 27 years. And it's like about these two Korean children that meet when they're in Korea. And then one of them moves to America. And then they kind of have this long distance on off relationship, which kind of fades away. And then she marries an American husband. And uh, the whole film is about, he's basically coming back to visit her from Korea. And it, it, won't spoil what happens in it, but the ending of this film is like one of the most, it's like six minutes of like a one shot. And it's just like the most, one of the most powerful things I've ever seen. And it's just, it's by this director called Celine Young, I think. And um, it's her debut film. Again, it's kind of like that sort of afterlife energy where it's like this, just this woman who's just making a debut film. And it's like, how the hell did she do this as her first film? And it's like, it's getting a lot of like awards buzz now and stuff, but mainly because there's no other films coming out because of award season. But um I think it's much, much deserved to be in those conversations anyway. It's, it's a really, really good film. And if you like your like heartbreaking romantic films, it's it's really, really good. And then in the complete polar opposite to that, I watched The Equalizer Three, which is basically just 90 minutes of Denzel Washington beating people up. Um, and what more could you want than that? And it finally knocked off Barbie off the number one spot, and it's um which I think has been number one for like eight weeks now. And um it's basically just the equalizer, every single equalizer film you've ever seen before, the first two, but just set in Italy, um, which is a great combination. So yeah, past lives and the equalizer free, both really good. Good stuff. Thanks, Bill. Um which how can you watch both those films, by the way? They are both out in cinemas right now. Okay, so still in theatres. Okay, cool. And past um, really please don't see past lives because it is a really, really special film. And um yeah, it's just made by a uh, an American Korean woman for her debut film, so need support. Go see it. All right, good stuff. Um, all right, me finally me. Um, I'll be quick. Uh, there were a load of good albums out last week. Um, there was uh, Guts by Olivia Rodrigo, which I've sort of become weirdly obsessed by in a sort of really embarrassing way. I was, I had like the cringiest reaction to it. I was putting the washing away, and um, was giving it a proper spin, and I was like getting really emotional just imagining my children's first sort of heartbreaks and how they might sort of respond to these songs were they like her age and I was just like oh my god I'm like having some sort of midlife crisis breakdown this is not good but um I'm also finding it very funny how like people are sort of reappraising Avril Lavigne as a sort of like genius of our time and that how dare Olivia Rodrigo try and write sort of pop punk songs that you know in some way resemble what Avril Lavigne might have been doing. Avril got dragged for like five solid years for being like a fake and a phony. Yeah, it's insane. That's really mental. It's really mental, but I do think that it's a really, really good album and it's very well made. And lyrically, I think she's very sharp and very funny and just about gets away with some of the more navel-gazy stuff. But anyway, so that came out. What else came out? It was really good. Um, Midair by Romy is pretty fun. James Blake's new album, Playing Robots into Heaven. The new Chemical Brothers album is very good for that beautiful feeling. Um, Yusuf Days has a new album. He's this incredible sort of London jazz drummer um, that's drummed on um, some incredibly cool stuff with Tom Mish before. Black Classical Music, that album is called, which is superb. Um, so yeah, a ton of really good stuff here. Um, Billy, we watched the uh, the Super Mario Brothers movie yesterday. Um, after my daughter started school, we came back and I sort of treated her to a 
ridiculously expensive rental. Um, and um, it's really not very good, is it? I, I kind of hated it, actually. Yeah, I hated it, but I hated it even more because um, I went to see it on my own in a cinema filled with kids, which was... Um, <laughs> Not an ideal scenario. So yeah, <laughs> but that is like that's the that's the um it made a billion many many billion dollars that film it was like massively massively successful. So there's going to be like fifteen sequels to come. So yeah, it was like my insane. oldest loved it, man. She loved it, but she's like yeah, she's Delphine loved it as well. Super Mario, and she like was super into it. Yeah, I mean, she just sort of adored Princess Peach and mm. now wants to like dress as her for Halloween and all that kind of stuff. But um, if you compare it to the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film, which is miles better than like kids films are just better these days, man. You don't need to make a yeah. rubbish kids films. That's but the thing. Of the like, best it, ones around it just like felt Halloween. like a throwback to like fifteen years ago when you would sort of endure these like really kind of hackneyed sort of takes on a toy franchise. And I don't have know. You it's just... Have you guys seen? Have you? Have you been down, seen uh, Turtles yet? My brother took her to see it, which I was really uh-huh. upset about because I really wanted to go and see it. And really I don't want to be like you and go to a cinema <laughs> full of children by myself. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just the, the Super Mario one, I, I couldn't really get past Chris Pratt just putting on an um, Italian-American accent, which just felt slightly problematic, like, yeah, all the way through. casting him in literally every voice role for every sort of <laughs> character that is around. Yeah, just... Um, I enjoyed Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong. That was the only thing I enjoyed. I thought he was quite good, but um, really, really dreadful. Just not fun at all. Like quite a joyless film. Like it just those things just normally so like buzz with color and life and you know in jokes and stuff. And it just felt really like anyway. Very um, one dimensional. I think they got billion- basically they got. Um- yeah, sorry to keep going to like the 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 boring side of it, but they got like burnt from their like t- horrific Super Mario films in like the past. So they were like, we're not going to take any risk whatsoever. We're not having any kind of like um, anything about it other than just a straight Mario storyline, which is what it ended up being. It was really boring, but they made a shitload of money. So there you go. Who needs creativity in Hollywood? Justice for Bob Hoskins, I think. Um, anyway, okay, that is. I think that's us done. That's maybe the longest episode of Home Sound Glory we might have done, I think. Um, Sam's waving at me. Sam, let's extend it. Let's keep this party going. I'm sorry. No, I want, I want Billy to talk about Footballista. Oh, I have to oh, talk about Footballista. Yes. No, that's me. I have to talk about Footballista because I got very kindly sent the incredible Jurgen Klinsmann print that the wonderful, talented people at Footballista put out just last week. Um, and them being the generous souls they are and knowing what a complete Jürgen fanboy I am, um, sent me one today. And it is so good that my wife, Emily, said that we could have it up in the living room. That's how good it is. Because normally the sort of communal areas in our house are, you know, no spurs toot allowed. But she was so impressed by how just creative and beautifully done this sort of old movie style print of... um, of, of Jürgen um, sort of depicting him through both spells of Tottenham is that she was like, yeah, stick it in a frame, up it goes. It's allowed. Um, they're really great. The Ange one, the enjoy your lunch print is just like terrific. Um, yeah, I got that one. I got that just... one. That's, uh, that's brilliant. That's, like that guy, he does some amazing, amazing stuff. Um, definitely check him out. But yeah, I, I, I just really, I really, he has that one. He basically has the same sort of style poster for like, I think he's done an Andrew one. I think he might have done a Glenn Hoddle one, maybe. And I think he's done a Klinsman one and all, all similar style, but it's just such a banker of a style. I really like it. 
Mm. He can do one for Harry Kane for Rosa at some point. And he'll so I've now one. got um, I've now got two. I've just <laughs> not uh, myself. Thanks. <laughs> first time in my life I've got an office like I've never had an office before because I've, I've got a new job I'm working in a school but I have an office and I like is it too much to put two hand pictures in the office is what my current thinking is because like children will generally be in my office because you know if you get sent to your uh, deputy head's office or whatever and like are they going to be questioning why I have two pictures of Anne Costa Coglu in a they're going to be office? like is that your dad and you can just be yeah. like yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes I mean your, so your role yeah. your role Billy is to inspire children and who is a more yeah. inspirational figure than Anne Costa Coglu so I think it's fine hey, honestly the assemblies this year that I'm going to be pulling out Anne's quotes left right and center I'm going to be something to behold they're going to be so sick of this guy by the end of the year but I don't know. Maybe um, just I'll get, might go for one Ange photo first, and then see if I can maybe bring out a second one next year. Yeah, maybe one. I'm going to allow you one Ange print and one Ange tattoo before Christmas. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so and then we'll doing... we'll see where we are come the new year. Um, amazing. All right, I think we're done. <laughs> I think we are done. Rosa, Billy, Sam, what a joy. I love that conversation. I hope everyone who listened can put up with what a rambling mess it was at times because that was. I had a lot of fun talking to you to you all. Um, we'll see you next week. Let's hope that Sheffield United is not the banana skin that we've talked ourselves into it being. And Billy, see you soon. I'm the Spurs. <laughs>